Well, hey, I am so glad that you guys are here today. I, I know that you had a lot of places you could be today, but you chose to be here. Well, as we kind of kick this sermon series off, I, I, I'm Barry Park. I, I'm the minister here at University Christian Church, and, and we as a leadership are excited you're here. Now, I've asked the worship team to kind of hang out for just a moment and to help us kick this series off because I want to make sure we have your attention. We're going to be talking about some very core central things to what we believe, what motivates us as a church. Now, central to that theme is going to be this, this love the word that we throw around all the time. I mean, we love this, we love that, we love pie, we What's love football. And we wonder, what does love have to What's do with that? this whole faith thing? I think some of you, you, you might not know for sure, how does love fit into it all? But this love that God has, oh, it's good. It's good stuff that it's so beyond being just, oh, I fell into love, or I fell out of love. I get lost in love, or I, I'm filled I'm with love. I'm out of love. I'm so lost without you. <laughs> I hope that you are so lost outside of knowing God. If you don't have that love filling you up, because you need it, see, I think we fill our stuff, we fill ourselves up with a lot of stuff that really doesn't matter. So, is love a noun? Is it a verb? Is it emotion? Is it a chemical reaction just in our brain that happens? What I'm so glad. I want you to teach it to me, Barry. <laughs> I'm going to do I my best. I think a lot of us just so desperately want to know what love is. Because some of us, we've had our hearts broken. We've been beat up. We've had someone say, I love you, but yet they didn't even know what it was. You know, I think we, we limit this whole idea of love, we just love everything. And yet the ancient Greeks, they, they had all kinds of words for love, from natural affection to, to friendship, to sexual erotica, to flirting, to Can committed and enduring love. It's morning. <laughs> and there's a the self-love. Yeah, I hope that today, you won't forget about a love that is unconditional. Love, baby, <laughs> I think some of you don't have been hurt, and maybe me. I'm starting to hurt now a little no. bit. <laughs> hey, let's just say thank you to these guys, and let's usher them off the stage. As in, time to leave, guys. <laughs> and I, I will always love. I think we should do the key change. What do you think? Oh, Let's do I, this. I think it's Let's time it to move to the serious and part of the sermon. I... <laughs>
sing a duet with you, but... <laughs> slow jam to talk about love you know what when you laugh when you have something that catches you off guard all of a sudden you start to remember what happens next you don't forget that and you go oh I remember when that crazy preacher tried to do a slow jam about love and 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 it starts to drive it home see this series is one I don't want you to forget or to miss this series of is about the foundational principles of who we are as a church. You know, there's nothing wrong with having fun. I want to have a fun time. I want to have a blast as a church. And then I want to dig deep. And I want to get serious when it's time to get serious and, and grab hold of truths that can transform lives. See, we've been given the most incredible message of a God who loved us so much he sent his son to die on a cross that we might experience this love, be transformed by it, and then take this love into a world who is desperate for it. Now, the question is, is what are you looking for while you're here today? Some of you need to find that love of God himself, but others... I'd be bold enough to say you've gotten so tired in your faith that you don't even know what it's really about anymore. And that is a problem within the church that we just kind of grow cold. And we'll laugh and we'll have fun and, and we start to think church really is about me. It's not. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's it's all about him, and it's about a God who loved us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross that we might experience life transformation. And, and so I want to talk today about the great commandments and then also the great commission, two very pivotal spots in Scripture that, that we must hold on to. If you're new to the faith, if you're new to this church thing, you, you might go, wow, okay, this, it'll help you to understand why we do what we do and if you've been around for decades, I want to challenge you. Don't you turn off your head. Don't just, oh, yeah, 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 I know this stuff. No, we have to press into this stuff. This is the very crux, the very central facts of why we exist. And so let me read this to you. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 22 and Matthew 28. Now, this is some bold stuff that we just kind of read through, and it's like, teacher wants the most. No, 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 no. Just read this and think about what it says He's asked a question. This is asked of Jesus saying, what's the most important commandment in all of all Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. See, I don't think we have any idea what it means to love God the majority of the time. When we start to get focused on, on the air conditioning or on the softness of the chair or on the band or on whether they have my song versus that song and who has the best program and what do we like about this and what do we like about that, it's not having anything to do with loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And yet that's where we all get wrapped up. I do as well. First service this morning, I'm like, it's hot in here. We need to turn down and start kind of complaining. We got to turn the AC down. I'm texting someone in between and I'm like, it's amazing how selfish we all are. 
and how quickly we move to just me, myself, and I. It's not just a young generation thing. If some of you who are down the road a few decades and you go, hey, yeah, this young generation, they need to get it together. They, it's not all about them. And you're right. But can I also say it's not all about you? Because we're all selfish at nature. I don't know a single baby who was born that came out saying, could I help someone? <laughs> they come out, give me, give me. And, and it's, that's kind of then we grow up and we just find tamer ways to do the exact same thing. You know, when he described this loving God, this is from what is called the Shema. It, it is a, the centerpiece of their daily morning and evening prayer services where they would come together. It's the height of Jewish liturgy found actually in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a very important thing that he's quoting from. And, and so let's break down what does it mean to love God. First of all, he says you're to love God with all your heart. We get that a lot of times in relationships. In other words, intensely, with emotion. When, when, I, when I love my wife, there's emotion, there's intensity. But yet when we go to church and we love God, you know as well as I do, most of us intellectually love God. The emotions aren't really there. Why should we give all the emotions here and we don't engage our brain sometimes even, and then when we go over here, it's all, all brain and no emotions, we got to go deeper than that, and he wants your heart. He wants you to love him, you know, passionately in the good and love him even down in the bad because he is good no matter the circumstances, and we're to love God with all of our soul, the very the innate, the, the deepest part of who we are where we can just sincerely know I was created by a creator who loved me enough to send his son to die for me, to give me life. This is beyond knowing that he exists. It's from the depths of who I am that I am his and he is mine, and, and learning to love from a deep sense and to love God with all your mind is important. And we talk about our journals all the time. We've already encouraged you today to grab one of these. If you don't have one yet, if you haven't done this in the past, or if you've kind of fallen off the wagon, so to speak, and you tried it and then quit, can I challenge you grab one of these on the way out? This is about renewing your mind daily. See, your mind is pulled all over the place. You're going to have your mind pulled this way with advertising, with movies, with Netflix, with everything else going on, your classes, your job, whatever it may be. You're going to be pulled in every direction. God wants you to renew your mind so that it's not just renewed by the advertisers and by this world and by Hollywood, but, but you're renewed in Jesus Christ and in his word that it starts to come alive in you. Now, that is not easy because a lot of you, if not careful, are very self-sufficient. You're like, I got this. I know what I think. I already understand. I know. And maybe you don't know as much as you think. Maybe I don't know as much as I think. The older I get, the, the more I realize I need him. And I got to press into his word. See, this journal is just a reading tool to take you through the Bible. You can choose how much you want to read. You know, there's a smaller and a little bit bigger or the whole portion. You can just go through the New Testament or just a little bit more or on. And, but every day you need to be renewing your mind. And it's a Bible study tool to just help you learn how to, to take from the word of God and then place it into here. Because most of you just kind of go, it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other ear. And you say, checklist, I read the word today. 
I, I want you to read the word to allow it to soak deep down inside. Well, that's with all your mind, and it requires study and repetition, and it's vital to loving God. And then I want to pull from another section where it's pulled out of this scripture. It's, it's with all your strength. In other words, action is required. It's not just your mind or your emotions or for the depth of your soul. Or, or it's, it's down into something where it involves more than setting. Too many in the, in the Christian world today, too many, think it's all about just setting. Just being in one place. This is what I believe. It's what I think. It's what I feel. It's what, and instead of what I do Monday through Saturday. No, it's just what I do on Sunday morning, right? No, 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 no. This is supposed to be a 24-7. It's like, I don't say I love my wife only when I come home. If I do, I'm going to be in a mighty herd of trouble, and we're going to have some problems. I love her 24-7. Wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, I love my wife. And God wants you to have that kind of love, that it's an action love that requires you to step out. And so he wants to live through you. He, the Bible describes being dead to our old self when we come to Christ. And we come to a new life. We're talking about being born again. It's not a political statement here. It's a matter of just saying, I am going to be born new. I'm going to have a new life. I'm having a fresh start. I'm alive in Christ. And now he lives through me. And too many of us. We have a lot of us living through. We have a lot of Hollywood living. We have a lot of people living, but we don't have Christ living in us. We're to be crucified with Christ and allow him to live in us as the Bible describes. He continues to say, this is more than a philosophical thing, more than a belief system. He says, this is how I want to live through you now. He says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Could I challenge you? Let me just get real personal for just a second here. If you say that you love God, and yet you struggle and you don't really have a desire to love people, I question whether you actually love God. Because how can you love God and not love the children of his that he cares about so much and has called us to go and reach? If not real careful, everything in church becomes selfish. Everything in faith becomes selfish. And we don't even realize it. If you love God, you're going to love the people whom he sent his son to die for. And they don't look like you always. They don't necessarily walk in the same circle you walk in. They may not act like you. They may not have the same cultural backgrounds as you. But you're called to love them anyway. You know, the original audience, the Jewish audience, struggled with that deeply. And so as, as God was trying to get them to understand this is a message for the world, not just for you, you know, or a guy asked him, he said, okay, if you're to love your neighbor, who's your neighbor? Exactly who do I have to love? <laughs> Not a lot has changed. We still do the same kind of stuff. Okay, what do I have to do? Um, well, Jesus tells a story about who a neighbor is. He tells it about a Jewish guy who is robbed and beaten and left for dead along the side of the road. And 
He talks about three different people who walk by him, basically. He has a couple of religious people walk by, and they're too busy for him, and they're probably said a little prayer, or, oh, God bless you, hope you live, something about like that maybe, and keep going, and that's it. And then there's a Samaritan and comes by. Now, important fact about Samaritans, the guy on the ground who's dying and beat up and really in a mess would hate Samaritans because all Jews hated Samaritans. They were outcasts. They were disgusting. They were extremely prejudiced towards the Samaritans. In fact, they would walk around their country just to avoid walking through Samaria. Who would want to do that? And yet a Samaritan comes walking by. So the person who this guy would hate sees him hurting He's different, he's a different culture, he's a different nationality, he's a different everything from him, but he stops and he bandages his wounds and he cleans him and he helps him onto his donkey, he takes him to an inn, he pays for the guy's bill and he tells the innkeeper, I'll be back and I'll pay more even. This is a kind of love that does something. It's a love that moves to action. It's not a love that sits and says, I'll feel for you, I hope that you get better. It's a love that does and we gotta be more of a love that has action. Too few of us are moving into action. It's not the preacher's job, it is the Christ followers. It's all who would call him Lord are to do this. And so he looks at him and then he kind of challenges him. I can't even imagine the uncomfortableness when he says, okay, who is this guy's neighbor? The Samaritan. They, they wouldn't even want to admit it. So who is it that you're a neighbor to? And are you being the neighbor that God has called you to be? This leads me to the vital, vital part. It's called the, the Great Commission. And you may have heard it before, you may not have, but I want you to give it your utmost attention as I read this. Listen to it. Let it come alive to you. Think about each little step in there. Don't just hear the blah, 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 man, that you've heard before. Think about it, and how does this apply to you? Jesus said, came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Man, as we break that down, it is the central fact of what we're called to, the central calling of Jesus Christ was to come and to seek and save that which was lost. You can't grow somebody, you can't have church, you can't do anything if he doesn't find the lost first. If the lost don't find him, that's the very first step in what we must be about. And so while we do a lot of things in church, we care tremendously about lost people. See, it's about bringing the two together. It's loving God, loving people, and introducing people to a God who loved them so much that he sent his son to die for them. And so what is the call here of the church, of us, not Barry? This was a call to his followers, to his disciples, those who would call themselves Christ followers. First, he says, go. The last thing I ever wanted to do was to be a preacher, and look where I am. The last thing my wife said she ever wanted to do when someone would ask her, well, are you, would you like to be a preacher's wife? And no. And well, she's married to me. And I, I, there are so many things that God transforms us when we let the old die and we say, I am now new in him. 
And one of them is that we must go. It is not a matter of sitting back. It is a matter of going. All of us, more than thoughts and feelings, we're called to go. And that doesn't mean you all have to go to India, to Africa, to wherever it might be. It might mean you just need to go to the, your neighbor. It might mean you go to the next door. It might mean to the, to the roommate that you just got to meet this week. It might mean that you, you talk to someone in the store that just looks like they're having a rough time. There are so many around you. It's wherever you are, as you go, take him with you. And what are we to do? We're to make disciples. Make disciples. That is Christ followers. We're to share what he's done in our lives and what he wants to do in their lives. And then the natural response when someone gives their life to Christ is to be baptized. I mean, we celebrate baptisms around here all the time. Baptism is a beautiful ceremony. It's a, it's a celebration outwardly of what's going on in someone's heart. See, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you say, I'm in with him, that I believe in this Christ, this, this Jesus who died for me, the next step, he says, in the scripture, over and over, the Bible tells us, God tells us the next step, that first thing you do after giving your life is to be baptized. You go into the water and come up saying, I'm all his. I, I'm 100%. I'm going under the water, coming up as a proclamation, I am his. And it's about submitting. It's a symbolic act of I'm letting go. Someone else is in control because now he is in control, not me. And the symbolism is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you go in the water, you're saying, I believe his death was for me, that he died for me. As he went into a tomb, I'm going into a tomb. As I come up out of the water, that says, I believe in his resurrection and the hope of the resurrection. And then it's a matter of teach. And some of you are like, oh, good, I'm off the hook on this one. No, you're not off the hook on baptism and you're not off the hook on teaching. If you give your life to Christ and he's called you to go out and represent him, you know what I get real excited about? And I, I love baptizing people, don't get me wrong. I love it when you do the hard work and then all I do is dunk them and, and, and we celebrate. But, but what I love even more is when you get in the water with somebody. When you witness to somebody and then you're following up as a spiritual mentor, because I'm not, I'm just a guy who gets up on Sundays. I, my gift is, uh, is to get up and to teach and to lead and to preach, yes. But you're called to walk with somebody when you give them this Jesus. Don't you dare expect them to do it by themselves. Do you hear me on that? It's not a matter of making decisions, it's making disciples. And so you got to walk beside him, just as the good Samaritan. You don't have to have all the answers. Some of you are going, I don't, I don't know the answers. I don't know what. I, they're going to ask me things. I'm not sure. That's why I bring them here. You're supposed to do that. Well, I know you might not trust yourself or what you're going to say, and um, that's okay. This isn't a matter of whether you believe in you. It's a matter of whether you believe in him. Because remember the end of the Great Commission? He says, and who's going to be with you? He will be with you always to the very end of the ages. You're not alone. This isn't a matter of your strength. It's not a matter of what you know. It's a matter of a God who says, I'm going to go with you. And I loved you when you didn't deserve it. Now it's time to go love others who don't deserve it. So we are called to go. So what is our mission? 
Those who've been around for a while, you've heard it. This is not a, a, a new one. Our mission stays the same. We communicate in all kinds of ways. We do lots of creative things, but we have a very central thing, and that is the Word of God that we draw from. And our mission is to love God, love people, bring the two together. Say that with me. Do the actions. Love God, love people, bring the two together. Come on now. You guys can do better than that. Let's do it. Love God, love people, bring the two together. See, I want you to remember the heart of the church because if not careful, you're going to come in here expecting and you're going to come in wanting and you're going to come in selfish and, and you're just like me. It is a fight to break down that selfish side of each of us. And remember what we're about is to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. It's to love people as he loved me. It's to be about introducing them to Christ. And they have, they have an empty heart that is absolutely in need of Jesus Christ, a Savior God who can offer them hope of a world. See, our vision is this. The vision we've been working on and we prayed about over the summer, the elders and the staff and myself, this is our vision. It's to boldly bring hope. See, I, I so desperately want the body of Christ here, University Christian Church, to transform Manhattan, to transform those that you encounter, that it not just be Barry on Sunday pouring his heart out. I'm going to give my best. I'm going to pour my heart out. But I want to ask you to be a part of this. See, my dream is, is that when the church, the body of Christ, gets a hold of this love that God has for them, it, it would change you, that would change us, and that we would go out. And the Manhattan would not be the same. The Wamego would not be the same. And Alma would not be the same. And Onega would not be the same. The JC would not be the same. But the people would find Jesus Christ through you, through your love. And that's going to take doing church a little differently. This is not maybe how you were brought up. It's maybe not how you were ever taught. You were just told to come and just be in church on Sunday. God wants more than your Sunday morning. He wants your life, he wants your heart, and he wants those around you. And I don't want you to miss this. They are dying and going to hell outside of the hope of Jesus Christ. They're looking for it in a classroom. They're looking for it on the base. They're looking for it in the gym. They're looking for it in their new outfit or whatever it might be. But the only one who can give them hope is Jesus Christ. And you are instrumental in that if you choose to be. Be his hands and his feet. Dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the calling that you've given us, and I ask in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, that you would rise up a family of God here, an army, that we would not step back, that we would not just exist and get comfortable but that we would be your hands and feet, your voice, that we would be the ones to wrap our arms around the hurting, that we would go to those who are very different from us and those who are just like us, and we would give them your love. God, change people's hearts about what it means to be a follower, and may they be more than just a moment today, but may it change their tomorrow and the next day, and the day after that. Lord, we love you. We thank you. I need you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Would you stand with me? We're going to sing an invitation song, and we have a prayer team in the back right-hand corner, both in the upper level and the lower level. We'd love to talk to you about your next step, but know this. There's a God who created you. He loves you. He's called you for more than just existing. He's called you to know him and then to go out and make him known. Don't settle for less.